Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have near-death experiencer, M.K. McDaniel. We discuss in this conversation her dark near-death experience, how she was able to find light, how did she find meaning, how she escaped and found the light on the other side, and so much more. This is a very thrilling and interesting, to say the least, account of a near-death experience, unlike any that we've had on the show before. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show MK McDaniels, better known as Kathy McDaniel. How are you doing, Kathy? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm I'm really excited to hear your uh, your story, your near-death experience, because it's Every you know, we had a lot of we've heard of a lot of near death experiences, and many of them are uh, positive. You know, and J- Jesus is a busy guy; he's everywhere, <laughs> all the time. He's always working. Um, uh, but you wrote a book called uh, "The Mis- Misfit in Hell to Heaven X Pack," and it is uh, it is like I was saying earlier, it is the book <laughs> about this experience, to say the least. <laughs> um, so my first question to you is. What was your life like prior to you having a near-death experience? Uh, I would say the typical American family, except that my dad was in the military and uh, we traveled a lot. So we went from East Coast to Midwest to West Coast while as a child. So that was a lot of upheaval as far as learning to um, go into a school and find new friends and all that stuff. But uh, we were um, devout Catholics, um, my dad as the... <laughs> as the book indicates, had a rather harrowing experience in World War II and, and uh, landed upside down on the Philippine beach in the middle of World War II and asked God if he was out there to save him because he'd been an atheist and God saved him. So we all became Catholic. So I, I did the Catholic schooling, you know, from first grade on through college and totally believed everything I was told uh, about my religion, and I love my religion. So um, uh, my life got a little quirky as I got older. Um, I did get married rather early, and um, there's some story behind all that, too. So it wasn't until I was uh, in my 50s that uh, what happened that was kind of out of the ordinary. So you were just, you live in your, you know, a... A just run of the mill, you know, American, 
Midwest kind of life, raised Catholic. I was also raised Catholic. I still feel guilty about it. I don't know about you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Recovering Catholic like the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, so I completely understand everything where you're coming from, from first grade on pretty much. Uh, I went through that through that same process. So tell me about what happened. What happened with the near-death experience? Uh, I'd been caring for my best friend who was going through treatment for leukemia. And uh, we thought it was going to be a two or three month ordeal, but it turned into almost eight months. And by the time he died, um, I was pretty much a physical, emotional wreck. And uh, there was a bad flu going around. I picked it up. It became pneumonia. And then uh, I got super sick and had to have a friend take me to a dock in the box. And before we got there, I got out of the car and just, I felt my life force just kind of leaking out. It was the weirdest thing. And I just fell to the ground. He carried me in, they, they got me going again. I wake up in a hospital uh, with an oxygen tent and my family around and they're from California. I was living in Washington at the time and Colorado and I thought, what's going on? You know, they said, wow, you're super sick. You've got something called ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, the doctor said, you got about a 38% chance of making it because this is kind of new to us. This was 23 years ago. I was kind of a guinea pig for the project. Uh, we're, we're not sure what to do, but we're going to put you into a drug-induced coma. We're going to intubate you. Nice scar to prove it. And then uh, we're going to do our best, you know, but um, we're going to give you something called white amnesia. So you will remember nothing. Your brain will just shut down as far as remembering anything while you're gone. And um, hopefully, you know, we'll see you, see you soon. But um, I had no options. So uh, my dad gave me a thumbs up and I gave him a thumbs up and waved goodbye to everybody and went black. And then the journey begins. Journey begins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of a sudden I woke up. I was conscious. It was totally dark. Later I'd learned that was the void. But at the time I thought somebody had stuck me in a closet. It was just quiet. And I thought, what is going on? And I didn't know if I was standing or sitting. And I thought, I better not move. I might, you know, hurt myself. So I just kind of hung out. And thought this was kind of strange and, and uh, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, it started to get a little lighter. I got my attention. And it was kind of like a reddish glow. And I thought, sun's coming up. Great. You know, maybe I can see what's going on. And as it got lighter, uh, this fog was swirling around. So I really couldn't see anything. And I thought, what's going on? And then I started hearing moaning and shrieking and... Uh, started getting kind of warm and um, I smelled really bad. And I thought, you know, I'm just thinking, I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, scared me half to death. This voice comes out and says, do you know where you are? Ah, I thought, oh, mine's racing. And the only thing I could come up with was hell. And then that thing just Whoa, scared the living you know what out of me so wow. i just freaked out and i turned to the left i mean you never forget this stuff it's always very fresh and ran into the darkness i didn't care if i hit a wall or, or fell in a hole or what i had to get away from that thing and um all of a sudden uh it was like light bright lights came up 
And I looked around and oh my gosh, I'm like in New York City after a bomb. Uh, buildings are falling down, the windows are blown out, there's fires everywhere, there's people screaming. I mean, it was like, what now, you know? And um, I thought, well, I'm out here in the middle of this, you know, parking lot, what's remaining, to, I better go hide because I don't know if there's been a war or what's going on. So I tucked in behind some uh, concrete and was just, you know, trying to look and see and get some clues. And and I, I do remember seeing, there was like eventually this ragtag bunch of people kind of started toward me. And I thought, oh, like, like a homeless camp people were coming at me. And I thought, oh no, you know, uh, and I just said, well, maybe we can get together, you guys, you know, um, you know, I'll get some fire for the, you know, firewood and you find some water. And this one guy just said, we are all alone here. Where's here? And I, I thought, no, this is just too scary. And I, and I thought, well, I better find another place. So I started running. Uh, there was this metallic scuttering sound like, like aliens, you know, <laughs> I thought, expletive, I gotta get out of here. So I tried to get up this concrete kind of wall thing, but I fell and I was going backwards on my back and I thought, this is gonna hurt. And then it all went black again and the lights would come up. And Alex, this happened over and over and over. And each time got uh, the scenario got worse. And um, uh, a lot of times I was challenged uh, like the time uh, I, I, I woke up or the lights came up and, and here's this huge demon standing there. And I thought, I know this is a demon. I, it looks like a Bigfoot with a bad attitude, but I just know that's what it is, holding a big stick. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And he was not very far away. And I looked up and I just stared and I thought, oh, now what? And he says, you want to get out of here? Uh, yeah. And he says, I can make that happen. And I said, I thought that was strange. He was speaking English, you know? And I said, okay, yeah, sure. What do you got? And and he says, well, I need you to do one thing for me. I said, sure, I'll, I'll take a look. He didn't seem to be going to hurt me. You know, I, I just... It's so weird to be in a place like that. You adapt, all right? So the lights come up behind him. And as far as you can see is this huge blackberry uh, field with a really high canes. They're all twisted up and the big old thorns on them. And in Washington and a lot of places I've lived, they grow wherever, you know, nature uh, abhors a vacuum. So anytime there's an empty space, blackberries come up. And I know how hard it is to cut them. And you usually need really thick gloves and cutters and all that stuff so I looked at that and I went you know and he says just cut those down for me save me the job I'll get you out of here and then he hands me these kindergarten scissors you know that they cut paper with and then he starts laughing and I thought oh you creep I said all right you're not gonna you know I'm, I'm up to this you know you're just being a creep but I'm if it's a chance to get out of here I'm gonna do it so I scritch down in there, I'm getting all cut up and I'm gnawing on one of these damn canes and finally get one cut and I put it behind me. I turned back around to grab another one and the thing grew back. 
Now this demon person just thinks that's hilarious. You know, he's really laughing and, uh, you know, I'm a fighter, I'm a survivor. And I thought, I'm just going to show him I'm going to keep doing this if I got no place else to go, you know, so I start cutting, but then the lights went out and then the lights came up and I was in another place. So you've read the book. <laughs> There's a lot of scenarios. So, all right. So, so many questions. Okay. So the light went, the weight went, went down, went up. How much, how much longer did you deal in this in this reality there's no time over there so you really you don't have a watch uh you know there's no clocks the sun doesn't come up and down you don't know how long you're there uh when i got home i'm back home is not not here i when i got back to my body um i uh, was in pretty terrible shape i couldn't move or anything so i kind of recreated what went on to try and figure out a timeline and the closest i could come up with with all the time that I was on this road also, this, there was this road to nowhere that I was on a lot, walking, 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 walking. Uh, I think two years, that's what it felt like with all that that went on. So, so, all right, so you kept going through multiple different scenarios again and again and again. Um, was there any light at the end of this tunnel? Was there anything <laughs> positive? Did, did you ever- at, yeah. Yes, at the very end, after it was going to get so much worse. I mean, like I say, they kept getting worse and worse. So can and you the give, last, can, can you give me like the last couple so we could see where we went from from the demon with oh, the blackberry to to the last okay. couple? Okay, we went to the road. I met two living people, which was uh, very rare. In fact, uh, there's a lady that's going to start doing a study on uh, the very few people that have seen alive people. And hell, because I had to give them both messages. But um, the one, there was a terrible one in an abortion clinic. There was um, the, coming off the road toward the end. Of course, I didn't think this was ever going to end. Um, I noticed up ahead of me, it looked to be people on this road, and they were kind of wandering back and forth. And um, they didn't look human because they were lurching and, and muttering and, you know, think zombies. And I thought, this is really dangerous. I don't, I've got, I, this road is the only road there is, and I've got to get through. So I thought, well, if I just kind of adapt their, their stance and mutter and, and keep my eyes down, I can get through the group onto the other side of the road. So I got about halfway in and all of a sudden they all froze. And I thought, oh, been made you know and so the the ladies the ones with the rags on their heads and they they moved to the outside the male portion of this mob moved to all around me and then one pushed me and another one knocked me down and then there was a very unpleasant interchange of things you know you can imagine what a mob would do to a single lady in the dark over there. So this was a horrible experience. And then just before the last guy up said, uh, we've all got AIDS and now you're going to get it and you can't die. So you're just going to get worse and worse and worse. And you'll look like us. And he had skin falling off his face and all that stuff. So um, a demon lady came over and said, you're with us. And I, I got up, put, left my clothes together and 
joined a whole bunch of other ladies that were going to tromp on out, follow this lady. I, at this point, I was getting kind of tired and I thought maybe I'm not going to get out of here, but I'm going to still fight. Anyway, we went through this, this, the snow started and when we got into this deep snow thing, we finally got out to this hideous little shack out in the middle freaking nowhere and the wind's blowing and we go in the shack and there's no insulation. The snow's coming in. We're all cold and we're sitting on the floor and, and, um, and she says, now we wait for customers and a perky little thing. And then I said to her, you know, I've been here a long time and this seems like a particularly dense, dark, so what's going on? And she says, oh, well, it's Christmas on earth. That's always the worst day in hell. And to that point, I really didn't know I was dead. Uh, you don't. Your soul is, is you and it's alive, whether it's incarnated in a body or not. So um, that was a little depressing. Uh, and, and to think that, you know, I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to sit, sit and just have this happen. So like, you know, in the book, uh, spoiler alert, um, I started singing a Christmas carol just to tick her off. And uh, she screamed at me to shut up and I just kept going. And it was my favorite Christmas carol, Away in a Manger. And some of the other ladies started singing too. And now the demon ladies shouting and waving her stick around and all that other stuff. And I got to a certain part in the song and she screamed and leapt at me like the spider. And I just shut my eyes. And <laughs> when the lights came up, it was a whole different story. Uh, um, just, just infused with this incredible love and light and warmth and joy and bliss and, and all that other stuff just wiped from my mind. I was just swimming in love is all I can describe it. It's wonderful. And did you, who, did you see anybody at that point? Yeah, I, um, it was just light and, and love and all that, but then it started kind of settling down and I could kind of make out everything was still white, but, uh, the floor and I, there was kind of walls and a, a kind of a, not a ceiling, but, a uh, an archway or something. And I looked off to the right and there was weirdly enough, uh, like an architect's table with this huge book and it was open about halfway. And I, I thought when I looked at that book, I thought, whoa, wait a minute, somebody was showing me something in that book. And I said to them, no, no, I, I wanna stay here with you. And I looked up and there's my fiance, ex-fiance, former fiance, that had died the month before and he's standing there and, and he died of leukemia and all his hair had fallen out and it was all blotchy and blue and everything. And now he looked great. Instead of 52, he looks like he's, 35 and and he was laughing and he he his hair was brown instead of gray and 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 I thought what the heck you know and I thought oh shoot he doesn't know he's dead and then he started really laughing and I thought oh wait a minute <laughs> if he's dead you know brilliant I figured it out I'm dead too and we're in heaven doesn't get any better than this. And I was so happy to see him. And I says, why are we standing here? I said, let's go see the angels and the butterflies and all the good stuff. And he, he came a little closer and, and he says, now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. I thought, what? <laughs> there are 
throwing me out? I, I said, no, no, no. And, and bye-bye. <laughs> um, I think I went to a timeout place. I was so angry. And um, it was beautiful, you know, nice uh, meadow, with, you know, pretty, you know, the stream and all this stuff. So I had to follow this stream back. And, and during that time, I, I met three different ladies who, who gave me messages and stuff. And uh, what, what were those three ladies and what were the messages? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, it was interesting. I was dating uh, a fella that was Norwegian, all right? And we had decided to break up once my friend died and and, and but but we hadn't yet. And so there was a lady sitting uh or standing there on going down this stream and she had like a a quilt or something handmade and I thought <laughs> does this get any weirder, you know? Uh, I, she handed me the quilt and I said, uh, uh, thanks. And she spoke to me in a language I didn't understand, but it was that lilting kind of, you hear from the Swedish people or whatever. And I, I thought, okay, you know, so I took the quilt. I'm walking down the stream, trying not to trip on the rocks and come around. And there's like a sandbar with a lady in a rocking chair. And she had like, I don't know, like a lace nighty or something like that and she gets up and she hands it and she's you know happy to see me and so now I got a I got a quilt on one shoulder and I got this thing on the other and I thought okay so I came down to the bottom and there was in one more lady and I thought uh, okay and she's speaking blah 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 but then all of a sudden it, it becomes English and she says give this to Ron you must live together and I thought what sure so I got this piece of paper in my hand so then I wake up the lights come up and there's these people and they're all screaming and the lights are too bright and I can't move. <laughs> and I thought, now what? I'm back in hell. Oh no. And my daughter turns around and says, mom's back. And my mother's screaming, yay. And I thought, what's going on? And they come over and I can't talk. I got that thing in my throat. And oh, she says, oh, mom, you've been so sick. We thought, you know, they told us you were going to die, but you, you're not. You're, you're here and we're so happy. And you've been really sick. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of things you're going to have done. But right now, just don't worry. You're safe. I've, you have no idea where I've just been. Um, you know, I was in heaven and now I'm here. What? With too much left to do. Alex, that really pissed me off. I couldn't even breathe. You know, I couldn't roll over and I can't go home until I get all this stuff done. So it was not my finest hour. Excuse me. <laughs> so Kathy, what I find fascinating about your story is the manner, this matter of fact manner that you tell it like, and there were some demons and then, you know, and I, and this <laughs> stuff, and then there's a group of zombie things. And like you say, it's so as a matter of fact, it's fascinating to see because most people would be, I'm assuming you were terrified during this process, obviously, but the way you tell the story is not, I guess at this point in the game, you've told the story a few times. So it's <laughs> doesn't have the same, yeah. but it does have an impact on you still because you're still tearing yeah. up as, as, you, as you're going through I'm it. I'm there again. You know, it, it was, it was real. Uh, it's like, um, 
yeah, it took me 23 years to get almost 24 now to get to this point. I mean, it took me 10 years to write this out. I, I would just every day I'd sit and write parts of this out. I thought if I could just write this out and get it out of my freaking brain, I could forget it and move on. But it didn't go away no matter what I did. And then I finally, through a series of serendipitous events, got to the Ions people. And um, yeah. it was so wonderful. Nobody would talk to me about this. I mean, um, my parents didn't want to hear this good Catholic girl went to hell. But they kept saying, what did you do, Kathy? What did you do? And I was like, ah, it wasn't that bad. Um, and then my friends didn't want to hear about it. Oh, you were dreaming and we were hallucinating. And you, were, you know, nobody, but it's 10 years. Actually, it was 12. So by the time I got to an IONS meeting and, and there's this room full of people that go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, big deal. Yeah. Oh, you had a, a distressing one. Oh, that's cool. Hey, come on over here. Listen to Kathy. She heard it. Those are really cool. So they talked me into telling my story and I had not ever told it except they did have a guy call me first and he wanted to verify that I wasn't some sort of a, you know, making this whole thing up. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I, I came unglued on the phone. I was in the process of getting a divorce. It was Christmas and this clown calls up and wants to hear about my story. I knew it was a bad day. Let me tell you, I had boxes of Kleenex everywhere. Um, so anyway, I told the story and at the end, when we, they were with me, man, they were with me on this journey. And when I, we got out at the end, I mean, people were clapping. They were so excited. And I, I felt redeemed. You know, I thought, okay, this happened for a reason. Um, here are people who understand it's, it's going to get better, Kathy, it's going to get better. And it did. I've been with them for over 10 years now. Um, I finally got the guts to write the book uh, with COVID. COVID didn't have anything else to do. And got it published, uh, um, you know, again, a serendipitous of, uh, event that, that I found this lovely uh, medium <laughs> that was look, just out of um, publishing in, a, in the industry, starting her own company and needed her first client. I saw her at one of our IONS conferences. She stepped out in front of me and said, you need to write a book. They say you need to write a book. And I'm going, they? <laughs> I thought she was cuckoo, but I, I didn't know about mediums at the time. But anyway, she she made me write the book. She's the one that kept saying, you know, first she told me 10,000 words, then 20, then 30, and then finally 50,000 words. So it's her fault. Um, then so long. Uh, and then it got published. And then, uh, you know, you sit there and wait for the phone to ring and nothing happens. And I thought, what the heck? But then, you know, life plan. Kirstie Salisbury from New Zealand calls up out of nowhere and says, I'd like you to be on my podcast. I had no idea what she was talking about. She, you know, was studying NDEs. And so I started on her show about two and a half years ago. And then I've now done almost 90 in nice. podcast. Yeah, it's coming up on 90. I think this is number 87. I'm not sure. Oh, that's amazing. I'm, I know in two and a half years, you know, we write the plan. Uh, there's going to be a way for us to fulfill what we agreed to do on this earth. And it's taken me a long time, you know, like 23 years to finally figure out why in the Sam Hill I, I planned this. But it was, it's, uh, I don't know if you know Nancy Evans Bush. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, she's a doll. I love her. Mm -hmm. But she saved my life really in that regard. I read one of her books where she she had a distressing one and she said that uh, the people that have these distressing NDEs are not the damned souls. They're the brave ones. They choose to come down and pick up some vital information and bring it back. Just like the 
you know, the heroes and the epics back in the Greek days. So I had to look at it from that angle. And from what I've learned and what I share now is that I know for a fact that God is all loving and all forgiving and would never condemn anybody. So how did I end up in hell? I believed in it. My whole life, I was taught there was purgatory. You know, Mother Teresa went straight to heaven, but everybody else is going to go to purgatory. And and we're going to, it's like hell, except you get out and you get your sins burned off, you know, and, and, and if, for all these things that you've done. And then you're purified and you go to heaven. So I believe that. I expected that. And I went and I took all the bad experiences from my life, including an earthquake that became the New York City thing, a gang rape, which was from a rape that actually happened to me, um, and all the other things in the story, I made my own hell. So I'm here to tell people, skip the trip. Uh, you, you know, it no doesn't need. exist unless you want, you know, if you, you think you deserve it or, but that's not God's doing. So that's it's what I'm trying to to share. It's so fascinating because I've, I've spoken to other people. Um, and as you, you've seen on my show before, uh, a lot of experts in this space who've interviewed thousands of, 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 uh, near death experiencers. And anytime that, because the negative ones are very small percentage of overall near death experiences from what I understand is exactly what you said. It's one, you believe in it. So if like, if you're, a, if you're a Buddhist, if you don't believe in hell, you're probably not going to show up in hell. Like you wouldn't even understand what it is. Um, but it is a self-made situation that it is part of the evolution of the soul to go through. Either you have you've chosen, like, you know what, I gotta work this stuff out. I'm over here, let me work it out in a very extreme way. Let me get this out. And then when I'm done, I can break free of it, which is essentially what you did, correct? Correct. I find it interesting, and I probably get in trouble for this, but I find about 85% of the people that show up in the uh, distressing are recovering Catholics. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. (laughs) You know, that's what we were taught. And that's, all the Catholics go to hell. That's kind of a wow. That's not I, that's not a good poster. First, first grade. <laughs> I was told this in first grade. I went home crying. I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. Oh. What is it? They terrify. Oh, it was, it was brimstone, fire and brimstone oh, yeah. from first grade on. Can you imagine telling a five year old or six year old yeah. that you know, like if you don't eat your vegetables, you're going to hell? Like it was just like, what is? It's it's a it's a fascinating thing because I have spoken to other near death experiences outside of the Catholic tradition, outside of the Christian tradition, and mm-hmm. from my from my studies and from what I've been able to see, you know, if you're a bushman in the middle of of Africa somewhere, they don't have a tunnel of light; they have a hole in a tree that they go oh, through. Oh, cool! Because yeah. that is something that they understand. The oh. Aborigines they go mm-hmm. on a path. There's no tunnel. There's a path. They walk a path towards some sort of light, but there's not a tunnel of light per se. Uh, There's different. And then if you go back into ancient history, whatever, you know, they're they're all different. So near-death experiences are kind of tailored for the soul. That's why Jesus shows up. If you believe in Jesus or is Jesus a comforting figure for you in your life, it could be St. Francis. It could be St. Germain. It could be... 
It could be Buddha. It could be Muhammad. It could be a yogi that you 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 worship. Whoever you felt comfortable with is who's going to. They're trying to make it a comfortable experience for you to kind of transition. But I think what Nancy said to you is correct. These negative NDEs are brave because they're going in and dealing with. It sounds like trauma because I didn't understand that until you said it. You're like, oh, the earthquake was very traumatic to me. There was there was a you know physical or sexual assault that I had to deal with, and you relived all of that in in extreme versions. I guess to have to work it out and like kind of process it. Does that make sense? Um, probably not process. I had to do the processing when I got back. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like, why do you, so that, why do you think that you was to meant to be? Again? That was getting my attention. That was getting my attention. Um. And again, to take decades to figure it out. Uh, well, it, it uh, for me, it was so important to run into the Ions people because right. uh, every time somebody brings back a little piece of the puzzle, you know, you get a little more illumination. You don't have to do it all yourself. It's really uh, uh, quite a blessing uh, for the podcasters like yourself to to bring this to thousands and thousands of people because uh, on our own. Uh, it wouldn't happen. I, I really uh, applaud you for oh, thank getting you. into this field. Yeah. No, it's it. Look, I I do this show because it's fascinating to me, and I, I like you know I'm answering the big questions about life, and as a recovering Catholic as well, uh, you know I I questioned my faith. I you know I questioned it when I was a kid. I was like, wait a minute. So if I eat meat on Friday, I die. But if I kill, <laughs> I go to hell. But if I kill somebody as well, I go to hell. This seems unproportionate. <laughs> Even especially when they change the law and you can eat meat on Friday, then it was right. well, what happened to the people that ate meat before they changed like, the law. Do, is there a retroactive situation? If they're yeah. in hell, can they get a, get pass yeah. out? Like, how does it work? It didn't make any sense to me. And a lot of the dogmas and stuff like that in a lot of these older religions, and, and not just Catholics, all world no. religions have dogmas. But I, and the other thing I've noticed is as I continue to study multiple faiths around the world. There's a core, there's a core belief that is the foundation of all, all religions, that there is a higher power, that we are uh, an eternal being inside of a physical body, and there's and and love is in there somewhere, <laughs> always, <laughs> always. So those are core elements, and then everything else gets kind of muddied. They muddy the waters after that. Um, yeah. And that's the problem with religion. Um, most people that come back are spiritual, not religious, because the, the religions are man-made for the most part with all the rules and regulations. And, and God's God's not like that. No, it's like, a, it's still my favorite quote. And I've said it a couple of times, but it's still my favorite quote. Yoga, a Paramahansa Yogananda, who's a, a yogi, um, uh, he's an ascended master at this point, but at the time he was a very, a very high level yogi. He said, Jesus Christ's, uh, was crucified in one day, but his teachings were crucified for 2000 years. Uh, and isn't that powerful? Yeah. It, it gives you chills. It, yeah. It, because he was a big fan of, I mean, if you look at Jesus's teachings and his true teaching, you know, do unto others as you want to do unto you, the kingdom of heavens within you, 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 you could do a bit more uh, the same or more than I can. These concepts don't jive real well with the establishment. <laughs> Well, he was a yeah. he was a rebel, and he, I mean, he got literally crucified for his rebel ways. Yeah, really. I mean, I lo I love the um, the prodigal son 
and uh, the Sermon on the Mount and yeah, the, yeah. the you know the, that's about it. Uh, the rest of it, I think, is I don't know. I've done a lot of reading about the Bible and where it came from, and oh, yeah. um, I have a lot of trouble with that. But that you know, I, I heard somewhere the other the other day it's something about God doesn't care what religion you are in; He just Correct. wants you to love people. Exactly, exactly, and finding your your path to whatever religion gets you to, or whatever belief system gets you to do that, it works. And there's good and bad in every belief system, every philosophy, every faith uh, system. There's always good and bad, quote unquote, good and bad uh, throughout the process. Now, I wanted to ask you, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, When, and this is something ND years always have to deal with. When you came back, how did you change? How did your beliefs change? How did you as a person change? Again, I know you were telling the story, nobody believed you, but you like this change as a person <laughs> as it would. So how, did, <laughs> yeah. how did the people around you deal with you and how did you psychologically deal with it? Well, I did go to a therapist because nobody would listen to me. And, um, I tried, I tell, I told her pretty much what happened and she said, well, uh, I'm sorry. I've got to put PTSD on your chart. Said, uh, and, you know, she says, I don't know how to help you. So that's, that's much as I got there. So it was just a matter of internalizing and a lot of thinking and kind of withdrawing and my marriage fell apart. And, uh, uh, I just felt so alone and crazy. And that's when finally, uh, that I, I, I met the Ions people. And can you tell everybody 10 again, years? Yeah, I was gonna say you were 10 years basically in the desert alone yeah. trying yeah. to figure this out. Do you yeah. think that you were put on, on your evolutionary path? Do you think you were put that that you had to deal with those 10 years? Because you could yeah, Ions was around during your time. Oh yeah. So you just didn't find them because you just needed to work all this out yourself, trying to figure this out yourself. Why do you think you went through that? I'll find out when I get home. You know? <laughs> That's the first question. You know? Listen, you guys, I mean, I don't appreciate this. There's 10 years. I don't need this. You know, yeah, you, you just hang, <laughs> you hang on. And that's part of the process. You know, Jesus did his 40 days in the desert or whatever. Uh, we're humans. And, and now that I know that I planned all this, that really changes you a huge amount. Because every time something happens now, uh, I say, hmm, I wonder what I'm supposed to learn from that. I planned this and it's all going to work out okay. I mean, you know the end of the story. That's the cool part. You know there is a heaven. You know there is a God. You know you know it's there. You know that, that takes so much anxiety out of your life. It was almost worth going through the 10 years of it to now have virtually none. Now, where did you... Where did you learn that information that you that you create this blueprint of your life? Because that was definitely not in the Catholic. Definitely not in the Catholic. Oh no! Oh you, no! No no! I I gave my uh, book to my former priest that was a good friend of mine, and he read through the whole thing. He knew my family, so he he read through the whole thing. And the only comment he came up with is, "Kathy, the Catholic Church does not teach reincarnation." After reading the whole book, and then. <laughs> If you go back in history, they did teach reincarnation. But I mean, the whole thing was like, hello, you're not thinking, you're just this, oh, no, oh, God, don't get me started. Um, 
I lost the question. Where were we? Um, the, <laughs> where did you learn about the uh, the the blueprint, oh, the life soul? Blueprint? Yeah, I I uh, went to a, a meeting. I didn't like it. Uh, the first meeting up in Seattle, I was about an hour drive in hideous traffic, and there's all these people, and they're all talking, you know, telling these stories. And I thought, I don't belong here. I'm on the wrong planet. So synchronicity hit me. The voice, you know, when you get back, the voice is really loud. It's like your intuition or your guardian angel or whatever that you kind of get a glimpse of before you go through this experience. But when you get back, this thing is so it kept making me go back up there. And that and Eben Alexander was the speaker that day. Okay. You know, I mean, let's go right to the top. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So uh, I heard his story, you know, about being the brain bleed and all this other stuff. And I thought, wow, if somebody like him had a story like that, you know, maybe I'm okay. And I, that's when I started kind of asking other people, gee, did you, you know, you see any demons? Uh, did you have any, any, you know, things? And finally they said, you need to read Nancy's book. And, and that's what, and Howard Storm, I got his book. Um, even, uh, Betty Eady and Embraced by the Light, which was one, I, the only one I read before I died, uh, because my friend was dying and I wanted to, you know, kind of, but she had a bad thing. I mean, the demons followed her back. Um, I was in good company. You know, all of a sudden I didn't feel like <laughs> low man on the uh, NDE totem pole. You know, it was like, okay. So then I had to figure out what my mission was because I couldn't go home until I got it done. You know, so I have this visual of all these people that I have to affect their lives by what happened. And every time I run into somebody or get a, uh, a, a comment back. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't run into you. I get that all the time. Um, I really needed to hear what you had to say. I just crossed one more person off. And, uh, you know, it's been almost 24 years. And there's, um, I guess I did a tally. Uh, I've got up on the wall how many uh, uh, podcasts I've been on, how many views they had and all that. And as of several months ago, it was 70,000 views. All right. So here's this this little girl, uh, not little girl, this, this one single woman that had this horrible experience and 70,000 people have seen it. You know, whether one or two people benefit from it, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that I, I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing my work. I'm doing, I'm fulfilling my mission. And then it's up to the universe to make sure it gets to the people it's supposed to. But so now I'm happy doing all of this stuff. I love meeting you. I love watching, uh, you know, the podcasts from other people. I've got a, in Ions, I've got a, a distressing near-death experience sharing group. We get together once a month and and invite people in that are have had these experiences or are curious about them. And we've got, you know, from two to 10 people. It's a nice, cozy little group. Uh, if you go on to Ions.org, I think it's isgoions.org now. but. Um, it's a, a distressing NDE sharing group. You're welcome to come to it. Um, but but I I feel like, you know, I'm making a difference. My um, I came down here. I decided to do all of this stuff. I'm doing it. And I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm, I think that was a blessing. That whole thing was just a blessing. It's so wonderful that you look at it that way. Because as, as I've gone through my journey, I've started to realize that once you make that switch in your head, it's like life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Once you make that switch, your whole life changes. 
completely. Like, okay, if something negative, quote unquote negative, is happening to you, you you stop and go, what am I supposed to learn here? That's a very powerful question. You're in charge. <laughs> yeah, it, it it it's it's really powerful. What do you have to say to people listening? Because a lot of I found it interesting that so many people who listen to my channel uh, and listen to the show don't either don't believe or are stuck in their in their dogma. And that's fine. They can't break free of it. Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, can you imagine after 30, 40 years of believing something and someone tells you that might not be the way? It's the ego. It's very difficult for the ego to let go of these things. It was for me for a while. Uh, and, and many other things as well in my life. What do you have to say to people listening who might be Catholic, might be Christian, might be just might not be believing this this thing or have a they they obviously have a curiosity inside. There's an obvious something that's missing or else they wouldn't be listening to this conversation right now. And somebody listening to right now, they're like, oh, my God, they're talking to me. Yes, we're talking to you right now, whoever's listening and is freaking out when I'm saying this. <laughs> it's it's but it's what do you say to those people who are like being a recovering catholic and and dealing with all the stuff that you've dealt with what do you have to say to them to kind of help them find their path just just yesterday i had two different situations where that came up um and because i was talking my book at one of these places and and people want to get that conversation you know I just said, this is my experience. This is what happened to me. And, and you have your life and your experiences. Um, I was told the bottom line is we are to be loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. You can do that in any religion or no religion. Uh, that's if you can just remember to be loving and kind. Uh, that's why we're here. So it's really pretty simple and we want to let people out of the box. You know, it, it, you're right, you're wrong. No, it's okay. As long as you're loving and kind. And you know, what's fascinating is that what you just said can be practiced. Any religion, no religion to my understanding has a problem with loving and kind. Generally, again, speaking, there probably is some outskirts out there, but loving and kind, forgiving, uh, being of service, these things are basic concepts. Many of them Jesus talked about, and many of all the grand masters talked about this. This is not just Jesus. All the ascended masters and masters have walked the earth. These are all common truths that all of us can do that, regardless of what religion you were basically programmed with when you were born because if i was born jewish i would be jewish if i was born muslim i would have been muslim but i happen to be born in a family who believed in catholicism just like you mm -hmm. yeah we shouldn't be fighting with one another about religion oh god please yes enough has been enough blood has been spilled enough feelings have been hurt over something like that you know i think it was wayne dyer who said when you have the option to be kind or right choose kind yeah, it's that easy. It just takes your blood pressure down. Every situation, how can I how can I be loving or kind in this situation? And what? kind in, in everything. I mean, even 
uh, in the grocery store, you know, just just to say we could pass somebody hi, you know, how how's it doing, or can I help you get that? Um, it makes you feel good. Oh, it's, it's addictive. I mean, the other day we were at a Starbucks and we paid for the person behind us. Oh, we just like okay. I, I told my daughters, I'm like, we're gonna we're gonna pay. It's it's, it's five bucks. I go, how much yeah. is the, the order? It's five bucks. I got it. Yeah. That and I, you know, and, and if he says something, tell him to pay it forward. And that happened yeah. once at a Starbucks and it ran for like 90 cars. Like they just kept, everybody kept paying. Oh. It was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful, one person started it and it became this thing and it just kept going and going and going. Those little bits of, you have no idea what that means in someone's life. Letting someone in, in front of you at, at the supermarket yeah. or, or in traffic, uh, yeah. holding a door, being kind, lift, picking something up off the floor when it falls. These minor little things. It's a ripple effect. You know, it, it really, truly is, uh, you know, uh, um, Kathy, after you've been through everything you've been through, what is the biggest takeaways that you had from this experience? Joy. <laughs> just, 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 joy. just straight up joy. Just knowing that I'm, I'm making a difference with my life, you know, and um, where I'm going. So homesick. <laughs> I'm 76. My mom's 95. My dad was 97 when he passed. Uh, I, I probably still got another 20 years, uh, which is cool. You, you, you know? say that. It's, you say that like, oh, I got another. It's another sentence. Got another 20 years down here. I better do some I good. Know. Well, <laughs> the only thing that, that slows me down on that is uh, they may want me to reincarnate and I'm going to go, no, we're going to stay around for a while. Um, I, I've heard from some people say that. Uh, Rein, well, yeah, incarnating in Earth is the toughest gig you can do. That mm -hmm. the, the we're the densest energy. This is the toughest gig you're going to run into, and uh, symbolic. You get like a E for Earth. I went to Earth, and people go, "Oh man, you went to Earth. Tell me about it." Uh, so we're all very brave. We're very, very brave souls down here. And um, next time, I think I'm going to do something a little less stressful. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. If you if you're coming if you're coming back, it's a vacation lifetime, as I've heard. Yeah, I've heard vacation of, I've heard... life. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. There's people that just have one job, they get married and live happily in the same house, and they get the same dog. And uh, yeah, but I see, I I'm I get bored easy, so I don't think that would that would be good for me. Well, but you I get would bored like to now. go now. But you get bored now. Who knows in the other life if you get oh, bored or not? Terrible. <laughs> I know I might be. You might be completely eating bonbons. Raise, raise, raise pansies and, and read books and You'd knit or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now, Kathy, I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all of my sure. guests. Uh, what is your definition of living a good life? Being loving and kind. What is your definition of God? Love, <laughs> love and energy. God's the energy in everything. And, and it's all love. And the ultimate purpose of life. To fulfill your purpose and go home. Do your work, learn your lessons and get the hell, <laughs> and get the hell, no pun intended, yeah, right. out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, God must have a great sense of humor. Because that's that's that was the worst thing about hell. Nobody had a sense of humor. Uh, you know, it just gets you through. It, lighten up, I guess, would be the thing. Lighten up. 
It's not that the stuff that we deal on a day-to-day basis is just not that important in the long run. Uh, nobody gets in because they got enough money or enough power or enough fame. It's how much you loved. That's what what counts. And the life review, you know, that's what I hear about that life review. That's going to be interesting. Whoa, where, you know, I, I, I love that I would see my life, but that thing about flipping it around so you can feel how it it, it felt to interact with each person and each. Uh, boy, that's another thing that encourages me to be kind now. I want to see a lot of those, you know, where people go, oh, thank you. That, that was nice. You know, I want to see a lot of those in my life review. Isn't, isn't, isn't that, that the concept of the life review is a powerful, powerful idea because it's, if you, and it's non-judgmental either. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing that's so beautiful about it because it just tells you, look, you're going to feel how you made everybody that you've interacted with feel that however they felt, you're going to feel it all at the same time. And it's hard for us to understand, but during this life review, so if you did good, you're going to feel the good. If you did bad or, or negative or hurt somebody, you're going to feel that too. That's a hell of a nego- <laughs> a hell of a guide for you. Yeah, you. well, yeah, get your attention. Yeah, absolutely. Say. Yeah. Now, um, Kathy, where can people pick up this this uh, thing that I'm? It, it weighs at least six this pounds. <laughs> this that you could you could kill somebody with this if you hit it with. No, um, no. What's that big print? Come on, it, it's it short is no, no. It is actually, and, it's, actually, you know. <laughs> it's actually you're right because my first book's about fifty thousand, fifty five thousand words. I'm like, my book's not this thick, but yeah, it's it's the print. The print's bigger. Big so print, it's not big print. <laughs> um, but where can they where can they pick up your book? Uh, any place you sell books, Amazon's probably the best. Uh, Kindle's the cheapest way to get it. Yeah, I've got uh, Audible. I've got CD discs. I got yeah. You know, I, I want that message to get out. And, and uh, what I really, really appreciate is reviews. Amazon reviews make such a difference, not just for me, but any author that spends years of their life and untold funds that will never be replenished to give you a message or give you pleasure, please take, you know, five minutes and just go up and give them a star or write a little review. Oh, I love, and I love, and I love when I see comments, I'm like, oh, I don't believe this person. They're just hawking books. I'm like, yes, because (laughs) authors are rich. Yes. yes. You're making just massive (laughs) amounts of cash off of these books. Unless your last name is King or JK Rowling, you're not <laughs> well you know the stat is uh i just saw this on on google the other day it says the stat for uh, uh an author is 85 percent of authors today sell 250 books 250 and you get books. anywhere from one dollar to five dollars on a book you know and a, and a so you got no you do not make <laughs> just, no you do not make any money <laughs> no you go deeply into a hole but that's part of Getting the message you know, out. About that's part the... of the message. That's that's part of my job. It's part of my job, not to make money. It's to um, in, inform people, and not even to sell books, because the, just getting the book is what gives you the entree to be on the podcast. So um, it's the podcasts, I think, that are are doing all the work, and it's it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and I'm so grateful. I appreciate that. And do you have any parting messages for the audience? Uh, just to continue with uh, the loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. That's that's I say that every morning. <laughs> Kathy, thank you so much for uh, not oh, only coming thanks, on the show, Alex. but for writing this book and putting this message out there. 
and and I love the way you tell your story. It is so, again, as matter of fact about it. There's no drama, and you're just like these are the facts, ma'am, and and this is the way it went. <laughs> And you're just really trying to help people. So I do truly appreciate you coming on and, and sharing oh, your journey. Thanks, Alex. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you. I want to thank Ms. McDaniel for coming on the show and sharing her journey with all of us. Thank you so much. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 183. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.